From the Transverse Network, this is The Transgender Show, an interview program about self-acceptance and discovery. I'm your host, Emily. This week on the show is seasoned actor, singer, podcaster, and TikTok creator, Marla Alpert. Marla is a seasoned actor and singer, having performed in the national tours of Jekyll and Hyde and Ragtime, as well as the National Yiddish Theater Folks Beans, The Sorceress, and in over a dozen regional shows throughout the country. She is also the host of her own podcast about legendary Broadway flops, Flop of the Heap, and is a, a regular content creator on TikTok advocating for transgender representation in media and sharing her journey to reclaim her space in the theater industry while transitioning. Everybody, welcome to the show, Marla. Hi, everybody. I'm Marla. I really need like a catchphrase for these things where I'm like, I just, you know, have something smart and witty that I come up with every time that everyone loves, but... <laughs> I think I start every single video I do with, okay, so so maybe that's my catchphrase. Okay, so. <laughs> Starting off, how do you identify and what are your pronouns? Uh, so I identify as a, as a trans femme, non-binary, uh, and my pronouns are she, her, they, and them. Great. Jumping into your story with my favorite question, how did you choose your name? So I went through a number of choices with friends. At first, it was a lot of them were food related. That was kind of like something I went through a phase I went through. I was like, is it rosemary? Is it brie? <laughs> and then at some point, I don't know, I just like, we tried out a number of different names. We tried out, the longest one we tried out was um, Callie was <clears throat> one we tried for a while. Um, my uh, good, uh, my good friend, who for some reason, all, only the musical theater people will love this, um, is obsessed with Shmuel's song from the last five years. Um, she was like, "Any name you want to try, I will poorly sing that song and replace Shmuel with whatever name you want." So she did that for almost every name I tried. <laughs> uh, and then at some point I said, okay, I'm just going to do a derivative of my old name. I think at first I was kind of like, oh, it's going to seem, you know, like I barely tried. Um, so I tried Margot for a while. For some reason that didn't feel good, which was weird because I love the name Margot. Mm -hmm. um, and then we were watching... Oh, I care. Is it called I care a lot? I think that's what it's called. Mm -hmm. And the main character's name is Marla. And she's an awful character. Like nothing about this character made me go, ah, that's the name. But I was like, I really heard that name very often. And then I tried it out and then it was great. And actually, funny story, you know, it's very common for trans people to go to, let's say, Starbucks <clears throat> and try out their name because they want to hear it, you know, yelled at by a stranger by the barista. What happened was, and what happens still constantly in my life, is who's ever taking the name will write it down correctly, but then who's ever reading it will go, Maria? Is there a Maria? So when did you first realize that you were trans? So for definite, like, when I was like, okay, I'm trans. Mm -hmm. And yeah. still, I mean, let me preface this. There's still times where, like, I will do myself up in a way and look at myself in the mirror and, like, be like, oh, my God, I look so good. 
you might be trans. Like, we're still at that point sometimes. It's a um, possibility. It's like the instant reaction. Um, I really didn't come to terms with it until maybe... It's been about a year. It's been maybe a little bit over a year. Um, I think when I was, like, 18 or so is when, like, a lot of my, like, gender fuckery started going on. And then... I squashed it all down with theater, and I'm sure we'll talk about that later. And then I was just like, my whole life became about keeping this theater persona. And then the pandemic happened, and it was the second time in my life. Sorry, the second time in my professional life, the third time in my life that the theater industry completely collapsed. And I went, why am I making myself miserable for this industry that that has, like, you know, no staying power in any sort of turmoil. And then, you know, a few months in solitary, staring at myself in the mirror and wondering why I never liked myself. And then we got there. Well, better late than never. Huh? How long after you came to terms with the, the fact that you were trans, did you then start on HRT? Because I know you've begun medically transitioning as well. Yeah, it was very quick. Um, <clears throat> I felt, I mean, I, you know, a lot of the things that kept me from it was being like, I'm too old. I'm too old. I'm not going to get good results. I'm yeah. too old. Which I think almost everyone goes through, even at the age of 16, I think, you know, some trans people go through that. Yeah. Um, so I, you know, almost immediately scheduled the thing with a doctor, with an endocrinologist. Um, of course, it's New York, so it took like three months to actually get to see her. Um, so I ended up starting, I think... You know, I came to terms with it in like November of last year and then started actually taking hormones in March. What were some of the key clues that you had growing up that eventually led to you understanding that you were trans? So, I mean, I had to go through so much of that with my therapist. God, I wish I had my little therapy notebook with me to like go back to those notes where I was like, this, 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 this. Um, I think one of the funniest, I just made a TikTok about this the other day. One of the funniest um, ones was, and most obvious ones, nerds will love this. When I was 14, 15, while everybody else was watching, you know, the kids were watching anime, anime was, you know, becoming a big deal in America, they were watching Dragon Ball Z or Sailor Moon. I had bought off eBay and was obsessed with seven seasons, two movies of Ranma one half, which any anyone who loves anime might know is an anime with a lot of gender fuckery among all the characters. And the main character is cursed. And uh, he the person's AMAB. If they're splashed with cold water, they become a girl. If they're splashed with hot water, they become a boy again. Mm. And that was, I love that. I, that should have been the clearest answer uh, for me. 18 or so, I became obsessed with the musical Taboo. And there's transish characters, but, you know, it's more about gender bending and Boy George and all that. There were definitely other ones. They're just not occurring to me at this exact okay. moment. How did your egg crack? Okay. So I think it's a two-part story. I think on an internal level, watching Pose at the beginning of the pandemic, 
sort of cracked my egg a little bit because I had never seen, I mean, I always talk about trans representation on my uh, TikTok. I had never seen positive trans representation until that show. The only trans experiences I had ever seen were kind of negative. So I was like, well, I can't be that person. I'd never seen trans joy or trans community. And then I saw Pose and I wept like a baby after the first episode and I couldn't watch it for like two or three months. And then when I started, you know, being alone with myself, I mean, my partner was always here, but, you know, staring at myself in the mirror during the pandemic for hours going, why have I always disliked myself? At some point, my partner said to me, here's this subreddit called Egg IRL. And I went there and I looked at all the memes. I was like, I have thought every single one of these things in my head at some point. There has to be a reason for this. And that's kind of what sent me down the rabbit hole of, oh, oh shit. So at that point, did you have a particular role model or confidant that you could kind of lean on or look to? I So my partner has always been, you know, great as a confidant um, and to help me through my internalized transphobia and other biases that I might, you know, not realize by myself. So she was there in that case um, on a slightly, I don't want to say lesser because they were very important. I have a good friend. Um, I hope they're watching. Uh, Turner, who I had done one of my tours with. And about the time that I started taking HRT, they came out as non-binary and were very open about it and, you know, very big on being visible. Mm -hmm. And that sort of inspired me. And, you know, they were among the top or the first, like, I don't know, 10 or so people that I told, you know, at some point I was like, hey, like, me too. And I've been on hormones for like six weeks. Now let's move on to coming out. How did you do it? Was there a particular method that you used to approach that? Or did you try some different methods, you know, email this person, text this person and do meetings with these? No, it was mostly full Band-Aid rip. Um, you know, there were a couple people early on who knew my three, uh, my four like closest friends uh, were told. My partner, of course, knew um, some of our New York friends knew ahead of time. Um, but 98% of people in my life found out when during Pride Month, I made a post that was, I changed my name, I changed my profile picture. And um, the post was something along the lines of, feel that beer coming up. Um, <laughs> the post was something along the lines of, dear allies, or maybe I said, like, dear fellow allies, during this Pride Month, I want you to ask yourself the following questions. Do you actually know anyone who's trans? Do you actually know anyone who's on hormones? Do you actually know anyone who's non-binary? Well, now you do. Now you do. Happy Pride Month. <laughs> that, was, that was the whole message. Did you do anything particular to people you were close to, or did you just point everybody to that link and say... Yeah, here, go check this out. Yeah, I didn't even like, you know, the, all the closest people found out directly, you know, 
weeks to months Mm -hmm. in advance. Um, Once that post was up, I kind of went, people find out on their own. (laughs) What were the most difficult conversations for you to have at that time? I think a lot of them were like around where I was headed, where I was aiming for. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I didn't know myself. I don't even know that I still know myself, you know, uh, you know, I'm like, I identify as a trans femme non-binary, but every single day, you know, sure enough, someone refers to me as a lady or a woman or whatever. And I've gotten more and more comfortable with it. And I'm like, why is that? We're going to talk to the therapist about that. I'm still looking for that, but you know, I was sort of wishy-washy on exactly where I was. And at some point, you know, I said, just like everybody else in the world, trans people have no idea what the fuck they're doing. Like, we had, like, everyone has no idea what's going on in the world. Like, what's going on in their lives. You know, the media points, like, tries to be like, we've always known and we'll always know. And, like, everything's, like, so clear and clear cut and I was like no we're literally just like everybody else we're we're just trying to survive and figure things out as we go Mm -hmm. so do you feel like you've given yourself a lot of space and leeway to explore your identity and and find it or uh, you know are, are you trying to stick to the gender identity that you've you've picked it's a great question um I could definitely give myself more space with it. I mean, let's put it this way. I'm not going to be moving back anymore in the direction that I started. Um, I don't think that's in any way a possibility. I do think there's something to explore as to, am I actually a trans woman? You know, I, I think it's more like a, it's more something to talk about with my therapist. Mm-hmm. Um it's just, I think, you know, early on, you know, it was just straight non-binary. Like, you know, I wasn't adding trans femme. I wasn't calling myself femme of center or anything like that. It was just very, you know, non-binary. That's it. Mm-hmm. I, and I think some of that was sort of to alleviate pressure on myself to pass or to behave in a certain way. Mm-hmm. I also like the idea, you know, this, it was something that I did early on in my transition of give myself a period of time to not worry about answering questions. Mm-hmm. And I feel like there's something in that possibly for you as well, where it's just like, I'm not going to put myself in a box or try and figure anything out. I'm just going to see what, you know, how things feel. What was your level of acceptance in your family? Uh, let's say, let's start with your family life. God, I hope my mother's not watching this. <laughs> um, so all of my friends were so, let me just get out of there. All my friends, all of my professional colleagues were very supportive. Um, there's more to talk about that on the concept of what are they willing to give up and give up space you know are they that much of an ally and that supportive in that way that's maybe a discussion of later but within my family that was the only place i found issue my father is uh has been passed for four years now i think he never would have accepted it um 
He, despite being a Democrat his entire life, um, for some reason loved Donald Trump. I think he saw my father was a little bit of an a-hole. And I think he saw the ability to be like, oh, well, if the president can be an a-hole, I can be an (laughs) a-hole, you know? My mother, I don't think she ever was like, you know, she was never like, oh my God, this is sinful. It's nothing like that. I think there was a general concern and that general concern wasn't very healthy, you know? She, um, and even like, even up to two, three weeks ago, I went to her place to pick up um, a bunch of clothes that I was giving to that friend I talked about, Turner. Um, and my mother was like, well, don't you want to keep any of them just in case? <laughs> oh my God, how are we still, you know? here and she also was very bad about um getting my name right you know if a phone call with her would be 85 percent of the naming would be incorrect and you know it would be that classic thing of it be like it's marla and her response would be dead name this is really hard like you know like right back at it Right back to the guilt on me. Right back to the being the victim. Like, yeah. She is now seeing a therapist. Um, so that's going better. Uh, our relationship is going better. Um, my other family, not very big. I don't have a very big family. Her sister, very supportive. Her children, who my cousins haven't said a single goddamn word about it um you know one of them constantly would reply to my facebook posts now only replies to posts that have nothing to do with my identity mm-hmm. um i haven't been to any family gatherings any jewish holidays or anything like that since um so that is still an up in the air topic hmm. yeah that's unfortunate yeah. On the flip side of, of that, one of our favorite questions here is, did you have anybody that supported you that you weren't expecting? Honestly, no one comes to mind. Like everybody was other than the people that I, <laughs> other than the people that I um, just mentioned, mm-hmm. everyone was so supportive. And I mean, there wasn't really anyone who I was expecting yeah. any negativeness from. I mean, I'm an actor. You have to imagine most of the people I surround myself with are liberals. Mm-hmm. Did you seek community um, and other people that were like you? And what was your first experience or first experiences in trying to find that? So I don't know if I, I still don't know that I've found it, honestly. Hmm. Um, I think I'm very specifically trying to find it within the theater community because that, you know, adds a very different extra layer um on the professional level uh and it's something you know that i want to be able to talk to people about in my community um what i will say and this isn't you know i'm i'm not friends with any of these people i mean not in the way that i would love to be but i did go to the trans march on broadway um which was, when was that? The beginning of September. Um, you know, this march against 
Broadway shitty behavior towards trans people. Um, and I had had, before I went there, I'd had such a different vision of how I was going to approach things um, professionally and um, community-wise. And then I went to that thing, and it just honestly, it completely changed my entire view. Um, there was this speaker named um, Ian Field Stewart, and she... <clears throat> so there was a bunch of speaking, um, you know, a bunch of people in a circle around the speakers, and <clears throat> she offered any... She created a smaller circle around herself of... Um, black trans people and then around them a larger circle of um white trans people um and she just talked directly to us and was like you have to support each other hold space for each other hold the door open for each other like you are all you have you have to forget about you know the people on the outside of the circle like you have to look out for one another and i Walked away from that just completely changed, you know, ready to be loud and visible and to create space, even if it wasn't for me, for other people in the community. Mm -hmm. But I'm still looking for more trans communities. So if you're seeing this and you want to be my friend, and that doesn't mean just my friend on TikTok, let's chat. What does transition look like to you or mean to you? So I think a lot of it is being more comfortable in my skin, um, being able to find self-love. I think that was something also that cracked me. You know, my partner has a very positive sense of, you know, body and body positivity. Um, and I remember shortly before I actually came out, seeing her in the mirror, you know, checking herself out and like being happy about herself being like, yeah, I'm rocking it. And I was like, people can do that. <laughs> like, People feel that way. So that's like something that, you know, I'm striving for. Some days it's there. Mm -hmm. Some days it's not. On those days when it's not there, what do you do to find your validity in your identity? Well, first I have a little breakdown. <laughs> um, usually I just have to like ride the wave until a little bit like a toddler that exhausts themselves. And I'm like, okay, actually, this isn't so bad now. Like, I guess, I guess, like, the, the little tantrum's over. Uh -huh. uh, you know, you mentioned facial hair. I think that's a, an extremely common source of dysphoria for a lot of trans people. Do you have any other key dysphoria areas that you're working through? Yes. My jawline, I'm just starting to feel okay mm -hmm. about. about. Um, actually, I don't think it's that bad. I think it's it's strong. I think I think to some extent being in the field I'm in and just just our whole general um concept of femininity and what makes, you know, um someone them presenting is so it's one, you know, white European based, but not even just that, it's like such a smaller like British and like French and you know small features and like I'm a Russian Jew like 
I don't see people who look, even though I look exactly like, you know, my cisgender grandmother, mm-hmm. I don't see people who look like me in media. So, like, that creates a certain level of dysphoria because I don't realize that there are cis women with these features. Um, so that's something I have to work about um, with myself. Um, the other sources of dysphoria, uh, my hairline, I hate pulling my hair back. We're working on that. We got some minoxidil going on in the corners there. Um, and then the one, that, the weirdest one that kills me, and it's so funny because I always said it and everyone was like, you're crazy. And then I remember posting something. It was such a big mistake to post something on <clears throat> trans passing uh, on Reddit. Someone agreed with me without me, you know, saying it. What is it called? The, the filtrum, the area between your lip and your nose. Mm-hmm. I'm like, it's a little too long. And now I'm afraid there are like some trans women out there who are like, oh, my God, it's too long. Mine's too long. But like this, this kills me the most. Huh. The mustache <laughs> add, to, add to the fact that it's in the area that you're already having dysphoria about, right. you know facial hair and that's just like a double whammy Mm -hmm. what have been some of the key fears that you've struggled through during your transition and and how have you got through those so i think the biggest fear and the reason it took me so long to come to where i am is what's going to happen to my professional life um theater and especially musical theater is It'd be, it's so shocking. It's extremely heteronormative. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it is very open to cis gay men um, performance wise. Um, there are some, you know, there are plenty of gay roles. But, you know, for the most part, classic musical theater is very cis, very hetero. Um so I was afraid there would be no place for me. I still am trying to find a place for me. Um, so that has definitely been, the, that was what kept me from transitioning. And that is still my biggest concern. You know, I have this <clears throat> naturally huge baritone sound, like this huge classical baritone sound. Um, and it feels almost unusable at this point. Um, but I am fortunate, and I also have a countertenor, which is, you know, having a strong, full falsetto with a huge range. Um, but even now, as I am working on it, and I'm making it sound really good and really believable and blending it with the rest of my singing voice, I still have plenty of days where I go, well, I still have, you know, the apparatus that I have. Mm-hmm. I am never going to be able to create the range of colors and timbre that a cis woman can Y cast me. That is still something I deal with, mm-hmm. trying to overcome that. What is it about musical theater that is the the big draw for you? I, I know that that was somewhere you, something you came from. Is there... Is there other space? Is there space for you in other theater that that doesn't involve singing, or is this just too much of a passion and you're going to fight your way through it? So I I do think someone 
it's somewhat is it that it is a passion um it's something i'm not willing to do straight theater Mm -hmm. of course tv and film is a lot more diverse and accepting in that way and i think that's because tv and film can go find their audience hi olive uh TV and film can go find their audience. Theater relies on the people coming to them. And that means tourists. That means people from, you know, who knows where. Mm -hmm. So, you know, certain subjects aren't going to uh, sit well with them. So I'm still happy to do TV and film. I'm still happy to do straight plays. The issue is my whole life has been devoted to this point to singing. Mm -hmm. I am a singer first. So it just feels a little bit like I'm a fine actor, but just feels like when I go into a straight play or TV and film auditions, it feels like I'm not putting my best foot forward. You're relatively new on your journey. My next question is, how have your goals shifted as you've moved along? Have you seen any kind of shift yet? Or, um, you know, in starting your journey, did you have any goals that you set out, like a, a a plan in place to follow and tick off? I don't think I ever had a plan. <laughs> That's not me. I'm not a planner. Um, I do think my goals have shifted. You know, I've become much more educated on the subjects. You know, even though I am trans, femme, non-binary, like I still, you know, say to myself all the time, like, I don't pass. Which, what is that? What does that mean? What do you mean you don't pass? Pass is what? <laughs> you know? And I mean, in my brain, of course, it means pass is a, a cis woman, um, which, given my identity, there's definitely, like, you know, something there that doesn't quite add up. At this point, what I need, what I know I need to learn to do is accept that passing isn't everything, mm-hmm. you know? Um, a lot about transitioning is because we want to allow society external society to see our external form and treat us as our internal gender um so i think at this point i need to understand that i might only reach a point where they see me as my internal gender, but they know I'm trans. And that is something I need to come to terms with. And I've accepted that I have to come to terms with that. Mm -hmm. I'm not there yet. (laughs) What other hurdles have you had to struggle with either internally or externally? Oh my God, the facial hair just kills me. And I, I mean, I just, luckily with some support from people who follow me on TikTok, like financial support Mm -hmm. i now finally scheduled my first electrolysis appointment but i had paid for 12 sessions of laser and by session five it had done all it was gonna do i've now had a total of i think nine sessions so i've had like four or five sessions now where it's like everything falls out and then immediately grows back um Mm -hmm. and i it is so overwhelming because it's like yay and then it's like oh my God, and we're back to this. And then it's like, I'm not someone who like. I know it's hard to tell from <laughs> what I'm doing right now, but I don't like to wear a lot of makeup. I, I like, I have very good um, skin naturally. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
I now am like, well, first I have to cover this. And then it's like, well, then I have to balance it. So then I have to like do a whole bunch more. And I'm like, this is now becoming a two hour miserable experience of trying to cover my most dysphoric uh, thing every single day. On a more positive note, as we start to wrap up here, is there anything you feel you've been able to accomplish because of your transition? Yeah, I mean, I think I've been... Now, success within myself has been, you know, mostly internal stuff, you know, coming to terms with certain things and um, loving myself on certain days um but not all but you know ever since i started making myself visible especially on tiktok um i've been able to help people i've had a number of people message me either you know saying that i my videos help them or asking me for specific advice um and that's felt amazing. And that's never something I've ever been able to offer people before in my life. And now I'm finally, you know, experiencing that and feeling great about being an advocate and um, helping people. And once again, we're back into the, am I a trans woman section where I'm like, <laughs> I'm going to mama hen the shit out of this. Like, you know, like, come let me help you, even though I'm new. I guess I have life experience. I don't have that much trans experience, but like, you know, let me, let me, let me lend you what I can. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, visibility is one of the biggest things that we can lend. And that's something that doesn't often occur to us. You know, just being out there is something that really helps. And then offering any advice you can, that's great. What is the favorite what is your favorite thing that you've learned as you've moved through your journey so far? Learned. Oh boy. <laughs> I think it thinks I think it's right back to the learning to love myself, honestly. Um I know there's still people out there like when they see any woman, cis or trans or especially any trans person, there's people, you know, when we show body positivity or um, self-confidence that they're like, you're being, you know, you're being um, full of yourself and you're being this and you're being that. And, you know, that that's gross to me. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm, I think I'm learning to overcome that and learn that being positive about yourself is never a bad thing. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's sad that poor body and self-image is the standard. And when you, you learn to find a love for yourself, then you're derided as being, you know, full of yourself or all of that, that it's this bizarre catch 22. That, yeah, that's, it's, it's not even, it's not even that those people I mean, obviously they haven't found it in themselves, but it's not, you know, they're not even saying it's unearned or da-da-da-da-da. They just think body positivity is a bad thing, 
period, mm-hmm. which is so crazy to me. Yeah. So what advice do you have to give to younger closeted trans people out there in your TikToks and, uh, you know, the, the things that you do? What do you usually tell people that come along? I think the most common thing I have to tell people and my this is actually said to me by my um, friend, John, who does the podcast with me because mm-hmm. uh, he was he was the first person in the industry that I told. Um, and I think the thing is, you have to realize you are never going to reach your potential professionally, um, personally, until you find and accept yourself, you know, mm-hmm. be hiding away or ignoring it. You're just, n- you're never going to reach the heights that you could reach, you know? Marla, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your story. It's been wonderful to have this conversation with you. Great. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. This has been so great. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Transgender Show from The Transverse Network. Watch this show live Tuesday nights at twitch.tv slash The Transverse and later on our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash The Transverse. Be sure to check out our guest Marla on TikTok at floorismarlava. If you love what we're doing and want to help support the transverse and get access to exclusive content, you can do so by visiting patreon.com slash the transverse.